Welcome back to another episode of Cranked and Ranked. Uh, as usual, I'm Steven, or Old Head, depending on what you want to call me. I'll answer to either one, I guess. And um, with me, as always, is Mr. Eddie Sparks. Uh, What's up? You, hello, sir. <laughs> um, before we even get started, I have, a, I have one question for you, sir. Do you want to get rocked? <laughs> Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> or, or if we're going to jump forward to their most previous, their most recent album, uh, do you really, really want to do this now? <laughs> oh, I, oh, gee, I don't know. <laughs> that seems, with a lot of questions. That, that, that's, it's, oh, yeah, by the way, we're doing Def Leppard. <laughs> I didn't even say it. Uh, you could read it on the title. You know what we're doing. So, um, yeah. So this uh, this week and next week, because we are going to be doing a two parter, because we have ten albums to talk about with Def, Def Leppard, uh, the uh, great UK rock band. I mean, they're just a rock band. I don't, I don't yeah. think you can call them metal by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe when they started, they were bordering on it, but that's kind of it. Yeah, I'd say they're a pretty all-encompassing group because, like, you know, the first two albums, you could make... I suppose the first two or three, you could make the argument that in, like, the 80s era, it could be considered metal due to the mainstream idea of anything with a perm and, yeah. you know, loud guitars was metal at the time, you know? Yeah, um, and I think to a lot of people in the 80s that didn't listen to rock music, Def Leppard probably sounded like metal, so, I mean... Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this week we are going to be tackling our number 10 through our number 6, and uh, for those of you who are fans of Def Leppard and, and know that they have 11 albums out, uh, we're not going to be talking... Well, we're not going to be ranking the cover album, which is called Yeah, because I'm almost positive it would have been number 11 for both of us anyway. <laughs> so there's really no point. But yes, they did put out an album called Yeah, and it's got a bunch of cover songs on it. Um, if you're interested, go listen to it. But uh, we we didn't tackle that. So we're talking about original material studio albums from Def Leppard. Um, I mean, in the 80s, one of the biggest bands there was. Yeah, so I mean, sure. I mean, I guess technically they're still pretty big. If you can still travel around and pack arenas, you're you're doing pretty good for yourself. Definitely. So, um, so yeah, so let's let's just jump right into it. So I, w the a thing that we used to do that we don't do anymore that I think we should is uh is yeah. start things off with where our Def Leppard story begins, because Def Leppard yes. Def Leppard is a band that between them. And Van Halen, they are the reason I got into rock music because I remember seeing the videos from the 1984 Van Halen album and from Pyromania. And, and those music yeah. videos were the first ones that I saw in the mid 80s where I went, oh, this is music that I don't hear around my house, but this yeah. feels good to me. And so Def Leppard is a very important band because once I heard Photograph, I was a fan, and I've been a fan ever since. Where, where did you come into the picture? I suppose with me, 
I don't know, like, how my love for, like, the 80s big hair kind of thing happened, really, because I, I was big into thrash and kind of modern metal in my first two years of being into this kind of music, and then from about, like, 2012 to 2014, I was really into grunge, and then towards the end of about 2014 and going into 2015, I realized, holy shit, I really like this genre, but I have no fucking albums of it. So I went on a complete binge of um, 80s rock and glam and AOR and hair metal, all of, all of the offshoots of that kind of big 80s sound. Yeah. And uh, Def Leppard was one of the first bands that I latched to because they really did encompass the whole using that style of production to... Um, my voice cracked there. I am sorry. Um, <laughs> um, uh, singing along to too much Def Leppard, that's that's the thing. I've made that's, myself hoarse. That's easy to, <laughs> easy to get caught yeah. up in that. Yeah. So <laughs> so re so really so really you've had about you know five years experience with Def Leppard and yeah. I've, I've had thirty five years <laughs> experience <laughs> with Def Leppard, um, which is what makes this such an interesting podcast, um, if I may say so myself. Um, mm. So uh, so yeah so th there you go you're gonna get where we're com both coming from with these albums but we're just gonna jump right into it and as usual Eddie you can uh, start off with your number ten Def Leppard album okay okay I've 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 come to the conclusion that uh, it had to be at last place it had to be X X okay. was was or 10. the yeah, yeah. number ten is ten. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Shit. Yeah, I think that's what I think it's called. Ten, and they just wrote it as X. Probably because they realized they couldn't do that because of Pearl Jam. So they were like, <laughs> either way, it's a lazy title. Yeah, too right. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna say it. I thought this album was a snooze fest. You know, this album is bloated with way too much pop and not enough rock. Um, I would say about 10 of the album's 14 tracks lay heavily on the ballad spectrum. So it's kind of like they just decided, do you want to just do an album of ballads? But they, they, didn't really, <laughs> they didn't really make it known that that was the case. So like, I know they went for a poppier kind of thing here, but they could have done pop and not had them all as ballad kind of things. Because I feel like after a while that does tend to get a little bit wearing, especially when you're listening to a band like Def Leppard, who, you know, while they did do ballads back in the 80s, they still varied it up because they still had some proper hard rocking tunes as well. Sure. But um, as I always do, I'm going to go into the track by track. So, uh, okay. So now, unlike the previous album, which was Euphoria, the band adopted a much more modern pop rock sound rather than recreating their 80s sound like they did on the previous record the drums sound tighter on this first track almost like an acoustic kit compared to the more electronic sound following rick allen's amputation of his arm like it sounds much less like def leppard and a tad more generic in my opinion yeah feels like it kind of blends in with that world of early noughties pop rock and then you get um Sorry, were you going to jump in there? 
No, I, it, when you mentioned Rick Allen and you mentioned that sound, like whenever, whenever there's a mention of him trying to incorporate more of an acoustic drum sound or a natural drum sound, uh, it, I'm always just like that. That goes against everything that made his recovery and reemergence as a drummer amazing, because he yes. he adapted this this electronic way of doing the drums where he you know retaught himself how to do the drums in a specific way and it became like a part of their sound and so yeah. in the 90s and and you know i guess it's mostly in the 90s and early 2000s when they did albums where they flirted with using um real drums here and there i'm always just yeah. like yeah I, but you don't need to you guys don't need to we, exactly. you get a you get a pass you know I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the dude's got one fucking arm, so he can definitely make the argument saying, hey, I've, I've got one fucking arm. Yeah, I'm yeah. allowed to play an electric <laughs> kit, you know? And, and I think that's probably, you know, one of the most inspiring stories in music ever. Yeah. Just a, a drummer losing a limb, that would be game over for, you know, nine out of ten drummers. But he managed to make this work. And it's and it's amazing, but um, now I'm yeah. gonna I'm, I'm gonna do the devil's advocate. I don't know if that's the right term here, but whenever I do think about it and how much it is really cool and how much I love this band and and and, and that he made the recovery, his drumming was never super complicated when he had two arms. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know it wasn't. It, so it's a, still a great story. It's a story of overcoming you know, the odds and, and like you said, most drummers wouldn't have probably done that. They probably would have quit and he didn't. And so it's still amazing, but yeah, you have to, he did have a very stripped back style to begin with. And so it just lent yeah. itself to him figuring out how to do it more with his feet and one arm, you know? Yeah. I feel like a lot of those like, uh, eighties hard rock and glam, kind of drummers they kind of had a bit of an easy ride because it was pretty much four four for the most part <laughs> well you had to you had to be able to spin the drumstick in each hand while you were doing yeah doing each hit <laughs> like like what's his name from uh poison uh, uh ricky ricky rocket rocket yeah R ricky rocket was always like throwing one <laughs> arm behind his head or whatever he was doing he was putting on his own show the beat was secondary <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a very style over substance kind of image, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> that era, but um, it's it's that that makes it fun. It's it's unapologetic, but uh, yeah, we need to get onto track two of oh, this yeah, record because that, that's <laughs> that's cool, dude. Um, but yeah, unbelievable track two. This is a ballad. It feels weird as a second track. It's okay, but there are much better Def Leppard ballads. I, I do get a few Dream Theater ballad vibes from this song. Um, again, it's not offensive, but it, it isn't one I'd play often. Um, I think it's important to note, I, I took notes on this album as I went through it. So I'm kind of talking in the present tense on these notes. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's a good way to contextualize how I kind of go through these. But then you get track three, you're so beautiful, you know, a little more upbeat now. Probably the most Def Leppard sounding song so far. It's reminiscent of their old stuff, but with modern production, which I feel does hinder it a little bit. You know, so much of Def Leppard's big stadium sound is rooted in that big reverb and, and that larger than life feel that their late 80s and into the early 90s 
work really possessed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it just feels too stripped back for this band. Um, every day they're really milking the whole ballad vibe on this album at this point you know it's very pop very samey once more inoffensive but everything so far has given me the same kind of thing i'm i was pretty bored pretty early on with this record then you get long long way to go another fucking ballad you know (laughs) this is one of the weirdest structured albums i have ever seen because it's just so heavy on one thing um that doesn't vary up too much you know this is becoming a bit of a piss take at this point <laughs> I, I like i acknowledge that they're good pop rock ballads but this feels like too many in one place and i know like i say i know they do ballads but they usually do us the courtesy of having them happen every three or four songs not four songs in a row and it's just such a such a strange it's a strange album really you know four letter mm-hmm. word finally something with a bit more grit to it it sounds a tad more like Def Leppard you know you know aside from the arpeggiated guitars in the chorus though it still feels quite generic you know the guitar solo was quite tasty but regardless I'm still a little battle uh, sorry battle fatigued ballad fatigued from this record (laughs) (laughs) um you know, while Def Leppard aren't known for aggression, their 80s records still had some of that bite, especially on their first three. Like, you got a song like Stage Fright, that is bordering on the metal thing. Yeah. Compared to this, it's just like ballad after ballad after ballad. They're, they really overdid this. And I feel like, you know, 14 songs on a record like this is too much. So I I do feel, just to interject when it comes to that, with this particular album, I almost feel like if you think about rock music in 2002... Like, I'm not talking about about popular rock music. I'm talking about rock music like this. Um, It was in, in America... I don't know if you have this over there or the equivalent, but this music was resigned to a, a channel called VH1. Yes. And, and that meant that older people listened to this music. And the stuff that was being played on VH1 was soft rock music. So Maroon 5 or, uh. or whatever it was. And so I feel like they were taken in by those people. And so I almost feel like maybe it wasn't a conscious decision, but I think that they got that vibe of, oh, these people like our laid back music. So yeah. let's just the, we're feeling some laid back tunes here because it really does come across as a an album for forty somethings who <laughs> don't really listen to rock music anymore, you know. Yeah. So so I, I think that's it doesn't doesn't make it okay, <laughs> but it, <laughs> but I kind I kind of get where where music was at the time. Yeah, and I suppose this was kind of at the tail end, I guess, of when MTV still had some kind of relevance because you still I I don't know really because when did the whole 16 and pregnant thing start to take over MTV around this time they were already doing a whole bunch of of reality shows but they still played some music but it's almost like they had particular shows that were the ones that played the music so like your your TRL or whatever which was a show called Total Request Live where yeah. they just counted down like the most popular sh- uh, songs of the day, and if I remember right, two thousand two, you're you're still we're still going through you know Good Charlotte, I think, and things like yeah. that. 
Um, and I think at this point, like the heaviest thing you would see on MTV was Avenge Sevenfold. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, so I, but I, but that was, you know, like I said, that was young people's music, which is not what mm. we're dealing with here. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird to think as well, cause, cause Def Leppard, they're known as an eighties band, but they were there right at the start of the eighties. Cause they're, you know, their debut came out in 1980. So yeah. that's really right at the start. They got their start in the new wave of British heavy metal scene, you know, rather than the glam scene that people tend to lump them in with. But that that's what happens when you put out hysteria. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, from their own mouths, I don't think they intended to be metal or part of the new wave of British oh, heavy metal. I think they yeah. were just, they were just, you know, contemporaries with those bands, Iron Maidens and, you know, the lesser knowns, like your Tigers of Pantang and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But, uh, but I, but, it, but clearly even from the beginning, I think they had kind of a lighter take on it, even when they were being hard rocking. Yeah. I, I, I feel like, um, am I correct in remembering that I think it was Joe Elliott that said they wanted to be kind of a fusion of Queen and ACDC. I, I'm pretty sure he did say that. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Which I guess that's a pretty good comparison because they are pretty straightforward in a way, but they also have this really grand, almost Melodic operatic side. at times. It's 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 huge. It's a huge sound. That's the best way to put it. I'll probably use the word huge a million times talking about <laughs> some of their songs. I mean, when we get to hysteria, eventually, you know, eventually. that's... <laughs> yeah. When we get to that one, huge we're is still, all we're over still that on, one. We're still on 10. <laughs> <laughs> we're still here. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick this back up. Then you get Torn to Shreds, which is a way more metal song title than it deserves. <laughs> um, you know, op- it opens with... Yeah, it sounds cor- like it should be a Cannibal Corpse song title, but it's yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> I can, I can imagine I can imagine John Tardy from um, Obituary just being like Tour de Shreds on oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's got there's probably a death metal song called Torn to Shreds somewhere. There's probably like five thousand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it opens with chorus on the guitar, which I very much enjoy. It's still so ballady though. You know, I like ballads, but this is how to OD on them. You know, yeah, yeah. N- nonetheless, I quite liked this one comparatively. Um, but from here on, my notes get a bit shorter because I pretty much ran out of things to say that hadn't we already can, been said. We can power through it if you want. Yeah. L- Love Don't Lie, pure early 2000s pop rock. There's really not much to say at this point about this song that I haven't already said. Gravity. Again, pure 2000s pop rock, complete with rap-esque sections. Um, Cry, a bit cooler than the previous two tracks, but still doesn't jump out to me. Girl Like You, rocking ballad. Main thing this album suffers from is its length paired with its samey vibe. There's so many tracks here that are all so interchangeable. Um, Let Me Be The One ballad this album should have just been called ballad central <laughs> um scar okay like I, I let's see where this one's going like scar is kind of psychedelic one of the album's cooler tracks they could have trimmed so much fat off this album it did not need to be 14 songs long um what's well, originally they, it's originally 13 songs so they oh, did cut they did cut a little they cut one yeah is was kiss the day the one that they cut 
Yeah, I wasn't on the original uh, original release. I see. Okay. It may um, have been, it may have been on like the CD or something. I don't, I'm not really sure. Possibly. I, I, it's like Kiss a Day. Too many ballads already, and the band closes out on one too. This was my experience on Spotify going through it. Um, this album wasn't horrible in its songwriting. Just bloated with too many songs that all sound like a very slight variation off of the exact same thing. Yeah. It is, you know, at its core, this album is bloated and just downright boring because it's just too much of the same thing. Yeah, I, I, but, I agree. And I, I am going to quickly take the baton from you and keep running because that is also my number 10 nice. album. Um, <laughs> we like I, some I, I agree with everything that you said here. And... Um, <laughs> It really is one of those albums where I've only heard this one. I think when I listened to it recently, it was my third time listening to this album. And it's interesting how the first track now, it has a little bit of a more stripped down feel. And so it almost sounds like they intended to do a little something more stripped back with this album. But then as soon as you kick in with song two, the big production kind of kicks in and and it's almost like, oh, never mind. Now we're just going to do these sort of mid-tempo sort of soft rockers and ballads and stuff. And um, like I said, it, it sounds very 2002 old fogey rock to me. Um, and and I and I am saying that as an old fogey. <laughs> I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't fault them for for wanting to do a laid back album because sometimes that's good. Uh, but yeah, they, they are still very good at, at writing some good pop hooks here and there, but you are right that there's not enough of a, of a distinction between the songs. Like you, you give me a song title. I don't remember anything from it for yeah. the most part. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where even this album, like, I, like the one thing that I've noticed in listening to all of their albums is that even in a case where you think maybe they had wanted to try something else. It's almost like they can't help being Def Leppard. And so yeah. there's elements of the songs that are always going to be there no matter what. When it, where If you're a fan of Def Leppard, that's a good thing. Um, but I really, <laughs> I really do feel like this is a, a rock album for older people who look at heavy music and think that that's a young man's game. And so, yeah. we're, oh no! I'm I the, the people that you run into, you'll you'll see this more as you get older. But you'll people in your life when you reach your 30s and 40s that you knew in your 20s, they'll say things like, "Oh, remember when we used to listen to music?" Or, you know, and it's yeah. like, what do you mean <laughs> used to, dude? Um, so yeah, I mean, even though this album has its moments, it, overall, like it's it's meh. It's a meh kind of album. Um, yeah, it's easy to lose interest. There's not a lot of memorable qualities. And unfortunately, when you're stacked up against the monumentally awesome albums that Def Leppard did, this is one that just it really sounds kind of like a shrug. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, all right, here's an album. Um, so, yeah, that's all. I, that's all I have to say about that one. We can move on. I, w I would probably say like and I, and I would rarely say this about an album, but. To be honest, I'm reaching a point now where, um, as a listener, I've become a little bit desensitized to having to listen to every album. And now I'll listen to an album once, and if it really is as much of a snooze fest as this was right off the bat, I'm 
never going to listen to it again realistically yeah <laughs> like um the the fact that you've heard this album three times just tells me you're a fucking trooper dude because you know, <laughs> i i as much well, as i love def leppard this is not essential listening at all yeah there there are there are a handful of bands in my life who have in their later parts of their career made albums that I didn't like that much, but because overall I like the band so much, I find myself constantly going back and just giving them another shot. There's yeah. a, there's there's a lot of bands that we'll eventually get to that fall into that category where if somebody says, "Are you a fan of this band?" I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, I am." Cool. What did you like their last album? And I'll go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, it's it, it was okay, but I still love them, you know. And then that's yeah. that's the case with Def Leppard. That's the problem I have with people that you know write off Metallica, saying, "Oh, they sold out with you know Load or the Black Album or Fade to Black," and I'm just like, dude. Th- they they wrote Master of Puppets, <laughs> like like at the end of the day they're still the band that made that. So, you know, Metallica could go on stage and fart into a microphone. I'd still love Master of Puppets. Yeah, you know? I'd probably so, also buy the vinyl of the microphone part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely, man. Um, All right, so number I, nine. Number nine. Um, I've just made a very quick change to my list because I realized that I actually liked the album below it more. I've just been kind of really trying to decide, but for, for that, me, that was, num- a, that was a live edit folks happening that was, right here as we're recording. <laughs> you heard it here first people. <laughs> so, um, my number nine, I'm going for songs from the sparkle lounge. All right. All right. Um, now, I will say from this point on, every album had something about it that I liked. X, yeah. or, or 10 rather, is the only album that I could quite happily never hear again. Yeah. Um, from this point on, there's like select songs I would definitely revisit. So, um, yeah, let's hit it with Sparkle Lounge. Right off the bat, go. That is a heavy, heavy riff considering this album's strangely poppy title you know this i went into this album thinking oh this is going to be kind of a a poppy kind of thing because the sparkle lounge thing made me think oh sparkly glitzy poppy yeah when an when in actual fact this is pretty much full-on groove metal this first song and is that a breakdown under the solo (laughs) and those (laughs) like those eastern melodies really accentuate the feel and i just and just coming right in it's so fucking heavy considering it's Def Leppard yeah but yeah if if Def Leppard did a metal song this is one of them in my opinion eventually um, they eventually every once in a while they they sneak in some heavy riffs and heavy parts of songs that were when you're not really expecting them oh for sure yeah and you know this is definitely one that jumps out to me and then you get track two, which I know you love because it features a country artist. Oh, God. <laughs> I have to admit, though, um, when I first heard it, I didn't hate it as much as I thought. Like, I, it's, I, really? I think it's a pretty damn good song. But, yeah, you see Tim McGraw's name, and I go, no. <laughs> no. But, yeah. but, I mean, he, he's not – he doesn't overpower it. Like, you almost don't even know it's a country singer if you didn't know, if you didn't know his name, you know? Yeah. 
it's like this one's a more of a traditional 80s hard rock song it's got some hysteria feel on it with a little country twang on it too um but yeah it's is does what it says on the tin it's yeah, it's yeah. De- def leopard with a country singer mixed in <laughs> and then you get come on come on stompy hard rocker good time 80s rock uh love slow ballad track at number four you know i never would have guessed <laughs> well written track nicely done nicely placed especially following 10 um <laughs> anyway tomorrow feely kind of emotional rock song standard modern Def leopard song cruise control it had a groovy secret agent vibe to it I, it was strange but i liked it it, it was it was different in a good way um, uh, written by Vivian Campbell. Nice. He's he's got a secret James Bond love hidden somewhere. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> um, hallucinate. Good time. Rock and roll once more. My only gripe is that the production doesn't feel as big as it could for yeah. the songs on here because I think I read a thing as well that said they wanted to make something that sounded like hysteria songs with um, high and dry production. But I feel like that kind of defeats the object. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, also around this time, big production w- was way out of uh, favor. So yeah, for sure. You know, then you get only the good die young, more good time rock on this one. It's a good album with a bad name, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So, so th- this brings up a. This is not necessarily just pointed at Def Leppard. It's pointed at a lot of artists. Why the the only the good die young is a is a specific phrase yes and and <laughs> and not only did iron maiden already do a song called that but fucking billy joel already did a song called that yeah. so when you're writing songs it's almost just like me writing a song and be like you know what this is going to be called we will rock you yeah <laughs> and then people would look at me like you have the audacity to name your fucking song we will rock you i'm like oh i didn't realize there were other songs called that and so yeah. every time i see these names that are i understand if you're doing a song called they have a song called tomorrow on here Oh yeah, yeah. Sil- Silverchair did one of those. So did fifty other bands. That's that's not as specific. specific. I mean, it's only a single the word. good die yeah. young is a phrase that it's one of those things. I'm just like try a little harder with the names, dudes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I can actually think of three separate '80s metal songs called "For Whom the Bell Tolls," and there's the, <laughs> there's the Metallica one, there's the Wasp one, and there's the Saxon one. And there's three fucking 80s metal bands that all did a song called For Whom the Bell Tolls. But those were closer together. And so I'm not yeah. that ticked off about that. But when you've got 10 years between Billy Joel and Iron Maiden <laughs> and then another 20 years, I mean, it's just one of those things where I'm like, I, I, I don't know if, if, if it's supposed to be an homage, but if it's an homage, what is it an homage to? And, yeah. and just, it's just one of those things where I just don't understand what goes on in their heads where they pick a title <laughs> like that. Definitely, man. I, I thought the same thing. I, I think it could be like, this is what I call it, cover bait. And they bait you into thinking that they've covered a song. Yeah. Only, only yeah. T- only to find out that it's a different song, but are they gonna are they gonna cover Iron Maiden finally? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be kind of cool to see, like seeing yeah. a band like Def Leppard taking that on. But um, 
they could do it. I'm confident because they they have heavier songs. I'm sure they could. Only the good die young is is not super fast. It's kind of fast, but yeah. only the good die young. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get a uh, bad actress, which to me is full on glam metal, borderline Skid Row, um, come undone, big hard rock again. Hell, it's it's a return to form since the previous album. <laughs> but yep. um, and then you get gotta let go one last big ass rock song with weird poppy verses to close out the record but um yeah th- this album felt to me like i'm getting to the point now where i do like parts of these albums but it's just it didn't pop out to me quite like the others did it felt like it had a little bit less personality and a bit more fan service as yeah. the others did but yeah, yeah that is it it also seems that occasionally Def Leppard is a band that um, they 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 kind of get. It's almost like when they're writing songs, they get their momentum going, and every once in a while they write a fucking killer badass song. But then there's other ones that just sort of happen in the process. Yeah, and and you some some of these later albums, there's a lot of quote unquote in the process type songs um, that don't yeah. stick out as much. I, I would I would totally agree. So yeah, that pretty much wraps up my take on Sparkle Lounge. Cool. Um, unfortunately, I can't continue the race with you at this point because I, I'm, oh. I'm switching to a different <laughs> album for my number nine. Uh, <clears throat> my number nine is Slang from hey. 1996. That was the uh, one it was gonna be. That was that's what I swapped it with. Yeah, and and I and I would agree that 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 you could I don't know I could probably swap my nine and eight easily but I, I but i went with this for number nine slang is their quote-unquote 90s album it's the only yeah. <laughs> album that you could call their 90s album even because like that was the one thing we'll we'll get to adrenalize eventually but that was the thing that i loved about that album because it came out post nirvana and they were like fuck you we're def leppard and yeah. like that's that's what <laughs> makes it great but on the other hand the next album they put out which is slang it it's an interesting listen um, especially mm. as a Def Leppard fan, because it's 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 always interesting to hear a band try something new. And most of the time, for most bands, I would actually put their Try Something New album much higher because yeah. I enjoy that kind of thing so much. But in the case of, of uh, Slang, it just feels kind of insincere. Yeah. Um, it feels uh, like... Um, I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, th- there's there's a lot of '90s tropes in the album. <laughs> yeah. And and sure, there's Def Leppard underneath it all. Like you can still pick out the Def Leppardness of the album. Um, but yeah, it's 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 the 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 fact that while a lot of bands from the '80s made their quote unquote '90s sounding album. This one to me sounds like they didn't want to do it. Like it, it, <laughs> it, it whereas other bands have a, a, a '90s sounding album, and it almost sounds like they were propelled and and like a, a fire was lit under their ass. Like, oh, let's try this this thing. Let's, let's stay relevant. And then Def Leppard's kind of like, uh, I mean, yeah, okay, I guess. <laughs> and, that, <laughs> and that's what this album kind of feels like. It feels like that they were forced into making this kind of album and they did their best with it. Um, yeah. And honestly, 
the one thing that I always take into consideration because as a, as a music fan, I feel like I'm very realistic, which is why like I stick with bands for such a long time when they make stuff that I don't think is very good. Because at some point when you are a career musician, you have to think about survival. Yeah. Um, and so this album sounds a little bit like trying to survive, but not being happy about what you have to do in order to survive. Um, yeah. So there are some good tracks on here because clearly this wasn't my last one on the list. But um, really, when it comes to the album as a whole, the only thing that really keeps it standing out is the fact that it's just different. It's a different vibe from Def Leppard. But yeah. for the most part, it's not very enjoyable because when I'm coming to Def Leppard, I want big rock. I want to feel good. And, <laughs> and, and, and there are songs on here where it's a little bit of a bummer. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's, that's really all I got for this one. Uh, Mr. Mr. Slang. I don't know why I just called it Mr. Slang, but I'm going to go with that. <laughs> Well, I'm going to bring back that nice flow that we had going at the start because my number eight is slang. Bang! Nice. I've got um, good old track by track here. I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, truth, uh, darker, more mysterious, and oh so mid to late 90s sounding. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like, it, it sounds like ministry at times with that vocal distortion. It's very industrial. It's got that big jump from the 80s arena rock of their previous record. Sounds pretty mean. It doesn't sound like them, but I did like the vibe this song gave off. Um, Turn to Dust, always room for a sitar. I fucking love sitars, so anytime one is brought in, I love it. Um, Throwing in some Eastern melodies, this is full-blown psychedelic industrial metal <laughs> and, and then you get um then you get uh slang the title track which to me was the first first thing that jumped out to me is goofy and kind of like yeah okay they're hopping on some trends here um yeah like yeah. it's 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 weird how it's almost like they were taking a nod from like the the more the more electronic sounding white zombie stuff, you know, like when they did, what was it? Astro creep, like how that out, that album was a little more on the electronic sounding side of things. That's what slang reminds me of. Like they were trying to do that. Yeah. It's this kind of goofy hip hop influence, but it's fun and groovy just a little bit. It's not necessarily the thing I come to this band for, but I was enjoying this album in its own right so far. I feel like it gets a lot of shit for the era it came out as much as it is a different style. Um, like Def Leppard could have written the best post-grunge album ever, but because they made their name in 80s arena rock, it just wouldn't have been seen as sincere or cool. But um, yeah, it, it is very much... It is very much that hopping on the bandwagon kind of thing, and you can tell the hearts aren't fully into it. And then you get All I Want Is Everything, track four, ballad again. Good to see some things never change. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, on this one, slow it down and add some 80s production could have been on Adrenalize, in my opinion, that yeah, song. Yeah. Um, then you get Work It Out, you know, grunge. 
Joe Elliott's breaking out some nonchalant, yarly, grungy vocals on this one. Um, and that funky porn bass is nice too. I like. I, I liked that little <laughs> midsection there. Yeah. Um, then you get breathe a sigh, which is like you know. I actually have written in my wrote written in my notes. Uh, Michael Bolton style adult contemporary. Anyone? <laughs> you know, not the most out of place thing on this album of all sorts, but certainly one you wouldn't hear on Pyromania to say the least. Yeah. Uh, Deliver Me, probably the most Def Leppard song so far at this point in the record, albeit with a psychedelic 90s overhaul. Um, Gift of Flesh, borderline post-grunge track. I can hear some super unknown influence in there, but combined with Def Leppard's brand of 80s good time rock, kind of meeting in the middle to make this weird hybrid kind of thing. Yeah. Um, then you've got Blood Runs Cold. Now, I will say this, this is the highlight of the album in my opinion. The song Blood Runs Cold is a beautiful song. From what I've heard, it's about their guitarist, Steve Clark, who uh, died of alcohol poisoning in uh, 1991. Yeah. Which is, um, you know, not only one, but one of a few tragedies that Def Leppard's had to face. You know, their drummer had an amputation. They've, they lost a, guitarist to alcoholism it's it's just such a to say that they're still out there touring just shows that these guys these guys love what they do even if this album doesn't quite show that as well but th this song is definitely the highlight from yeah, this album I, I feel like that i feel what the, the albums that came out around this time from these bands i always feel a little bit bad about them because now, in hindsight, we know that, hey, just wait about another eight years, and then all of a sudden, people are going to start appreciating what you did in the past, and you can just continue yeah. to do your thing. And so that's what sucks, is that somebody could have gone back to them and said, look, just, you know, shine it on for now. Like, you know, take your lumps, do what you got to do, but just know that you're going to come out the other end and still get to be Def Leppard. Yeah, like, that's the thing. I'm glad grunge happened because yeah. it, it had to for music to move forward but i do feel bad for the bands that it kind of took out you know yeah, absolutely <laughs> but, you know because there's there's so many great glam bands that just got shot right in the foot right at the starting line but yeah just heading back into that little track by track we've got two songs two songs left I've got uh, Where Does Love Go When It Dies. It's this acoustic-led ballad, another pretty one. Uh, and then you get Pearl of Euphoria, which has some uh, psychedelic grunge coming back into sight. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I hear some When the Levee Breaks in that drum beat. It's uh, groovy, vibey. I like it. You know, It's a cool way to close out the record. Mm -hmm. Overall, this was way better than I was expecting this to be because i'd remember I, I remember slang being hyped up as this like piece of shit when in actual fact <laughs> no it's, it's just i think it's 50 percent the time it came out because it really if you were an 80s hard rock band releasing anything in the mid 90s you couldn't please anyone no matter how good it was because yeah. you simply just were not cool but I really do. I really do. I really do think eventually we should do 
episode on the top five 90s albums from 80s era bands. That's a good I, one. I think that would be pretty cool because there were some good ones. There were yeah. some really good albums put out by those 80s bands in the 90s. Would we be putting a cap on where in the 90s it would start, though? Because 1990 to 92... Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I, I would say ninety-two, probably. I don't know. We'll, we'll discuss. We'll discuss the uh, so, <laughs> the the specifics of it later. But I think that's a good idea. That's a great idea. All right. So moving on. Uh, so that, that was your number eight, right? It was indeed. Yeah, my number eight uh, is their most recent album, twenty fifteen self-titled album, Def Leppard. Wow. And um, so. When this came out, it was one of those things where um, I found myself listening to it a lot because yeah. it, it sounds like Def Leppard. Like the fact that it's just called Def Leppard, it's like they, they knew that when they were putting it out. Like we're making this album that sounds like the Def Leppard that you want and we're, we're trying to make it happen in 2015. And for the most part, it is a very enjoyable album. Even though there are a few issues. Number one is the modern production. Even though they're trying to make it big, it still feels so claustrophobically compressed. Like, like I hate it how things have to feel so scrunched in. Like, move instruments around, add reverb. But it's almost like they're battling with themselves. Like... Well, people don't want to hear that sound anymore. They do. I do. And clearly it's not just old folks because you're in the boat too of wanting to hear that kind of thing. So I really wish that they had, I don't know, left left some of the modern production sound out of the album and it would have been a lot better. And then on top of that, you've got the album starts with Let's Go, which just sounds like they're trying to do another pour some sugar on me. (laughs) And um, yeah. it's fine because once it gets going, if you're a Def Leppard fan, you're in. You're just like, oh, fuck it, whatever. You know, it's, it's like when, you're, when you, you, you go to a bar and you've gotten yourself nicely drunk and then a cover <laughs> band starts to play. Normally, yeah. if somebody comes to you and says, do you want to go see a cover band? You'd go, fuck no. <laughs> but if you were drunk at a bar and one starts to play, you're like, yeah, like you're just, you're ready for whatever <laughs> nonsense they're going to throw your way. And that's, yeah. so not necessarily being drunk, but being a Def Leppard fan, this album starts and you're just like, all right, th- this feels good. Let's go. Let's go. As the song says. Um, <laughs> um, and then um, the song dangerous is so good. Like that is yeah. one that I went back to a lot because it sounds like it could have been on Adrenalize. It's just great big pop anthem type rock that's just so much fun. And this is one of the things we haven't really brought this up yet, but one of the things that I love about Def Leppard is they do that huge massive vocal harmony thing. Where it yeah. sounds like there's 50 different harmonies going at the same time. <laughs> it sounds massive. And whenever yeah. they do that, and, and it's very unique to them because you hear other bands do these big harmony things. And I don't know if it's the combination of, of Joe, Joe Elliott and um, is it Rick Savage? Does he do vocals too? Like all of those guys, I'm assuming they all sing 
but they're the combination of their voices, whatever it is that creates this sound, it sounds otherworldly when they do it does. the the harmonies. And they kick in on this, and it's just it's so much fun. So um, so yeah, it, it's just a, a pure overproduced pop rock joy in a little song. And, and I love it. And, and then you get to man enough. This is where my track by track is going to end because man enough. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because it's interesting that they go from this sort of very, you know, early or late eighties Def Leppard sound to this song. That's like very funky, almost like Mm. another one bites the dust or something. I said, yeah, it's very bass. It's got the stomping yeah. sort of almost a disco drum beat with just the boom, tap, boom, tap behind it. And and um, it's not an amazing song, but the, the big thing about this album that I enjoy is the fact that there is a wide variety of songs, which is like yeah. polar opposite to uh, to 10 that we were talking about yeah. earlier. <laughs> There's, they've got, it's got everything. They hit all of the notes that you want to hit on a Def Leppard album. Um, and overall, it's an album from a band that at this point, this was 2015. So you're talking 20, 35 years into being in a band. This is a, this is an album that shows that they still know how to make a fucking album. Like, yeah. like they know that, okay, the, you know, they know how to change it up, how to, how to put the songs in an order to where you don't get, too you know complacent in one particular thing that they're doing um while still bringing you the classic Def Leppard sounds um and then so overall it's just it's just kind of like an enjoyable time travel trip back to the big production sound and the big um 80s kind of thing even even though um my, my last criticism of it is the fact that I do think it's a bit bloated um, yeah. I, I think that they could have maybe capped it off at 10 or 11 tracks and it would have been fucking fantastic. So really that's all I got for the album is they just, just tweak that production to take out the overly compressed sort of thing and let the out that the songs breathe, um, and then cut off a couple tracks. Other than that, a really fucking great album. Definitely. And this is flowing perfectly because my number <laughs> seven is the self-titled 2015 Def Leppard Sweet. album. Um, you know, this actually came out oh, in the midst of me getting really into this whole glam metal thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, while they're not strictly glam metal, they do get lumped in with that kind of 80s arena rock thing. Yeah, it's just and it's just good time rock music that was in the 80s. It's almost like it yeah. all it all falls into that category. Definitely. And um you know, let's go. I've got here in all caps, you know, old school leopard is back. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, um, this is how Def Leopard, you know, should sound big, unapologetic, loud, anthemic, powerful 80s stadium rock. Like I said, like you, sorry, like you say, the only real gripe I've got was, is with how in your face and compressed everything is. Because I feel like had they just let the reverb breathe rather than just bringing everything to loudness um it could have sounded even better but it sounds excellent anyway because it's just such a return to their kind of thing so now that now that you mentioned that i'm almost because i don't know as much as i i like to pick apart the production of albums 
I don't know a whole lot about it, about the ins and outs of what makes a particular sound sound a certain way. And so yeah. there's a part of me that goes, maybe the, maybe the issue is mastering. Maybe it's the mastering process that ends up taking some of the, of the, I don't know, the air out of the room, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It, it could well be. Yeah. Yeah. Because you lose that kind of headroom for things to really go off when everything is just at the same, you know, level. Yeah, which and, I which I know, miss. I'm totally miss that. I miss that style of production. We'll talk about this probably every podcast we do. About <laughs> just like yeah. I just miss that sound of of everything breathing and everything just sounding so massive, especially when you're listening in headphones. Yeah, and it's like everything back then knew its place, knew it was being heard, and it was confident it was going to do that. Whereas with music now, it's like every instrument is kind of, no, I'm the loudest. I'm the loudest one. <laughs> yeah. I am the drums, you know? And I, th- I think, um, obviously I know that we're not talking about them, but um, Metallica's Death Magnetic is a glaring casualty of that era of production where he, he, that whole loudness wars thing, everybody thought, compress everything it needs to be loud or radio isn't going to play it yeah you know and that was one where Uh, where the guy who mastered the album said it wasn't his fault the album was brick walled already oh so maybe it is maybe it is an original a mix issue but either way it's a thing that i'm just i just i don't think it's going to go away anytime soon because so many bands i go and listen to new music every friday on apple music just to hear what's going out in metal and rock and stuff and so much of it just has that same sound where i just go oh, just stop doing this like it's yeah not only is it really hard for me to get into the sound of your album but it makes a lot of bands sound exactly the same and definitely so but def leppard doesn't have that problem they sound like def leppard <laughs> too too right man and um that brings me right back to the track by track, like you say, uh, dangerous. Again, continuing that theme of rekindling the classic Def Leppard sound. Uh, this song definitely delivers it. It's um, it doesn't quite punch me as much as Let's Go did, but it's still really fucking good. I think for me, Let's Go was satisfying because I was like, I needed to hear this at this time. Yeah to be reassured that this style of production isn't dead. Also the you know? the song starts off with that guitar lick from Phil Collins. Like when he yeah. when he does that shit, I'm all like that dude knows how to hit me in the heart with his with his little yeah. guitar parts. I I feel every time I see them play, I I I'm, I'm always seeing him play those parts, so I'm like that must be a Phil Collins thing where he brought that in. Like, I got this little magic thing I do on the guitar that just makes you feel something. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's an awesome song. Um, And then, like you said, Man Enough, bringing in the funk. You know, it's got groovy bass line, a la Another One Bites the Dust. Mm -hmm. Gives us a different take on Def Leppard, but one that doesn't stray too far from the classic vibe. Being Queen fans, I can definitely hear some influence in there for sure. Yeah. And... um, it definitely it feels like something you'd hear on Euphoria. Actually, it feels like that kind of era, where they were kind of playing around with different, more modern things, but still tr- trying to recapture the. Uh... It's a weird one, really, because it's like they kind they recaptured that eighties vibe on Euphoria, and then went straight back to doing kind of what they did on Slang, yeah, but in a different way. 
And in a way, that's kind of frustrating because it's like, you had it. You had it, and you you lost it again. I feel like but, this um, was an attempt to get back to that. We'll we'll get to Euphoria, but I but I feel like this was an attempt to do a similar kind of album because I think people reacted to it in a really positive way. I mean, I did anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, uh, where am I? Uh, Man enough. Uh, we belong. We have the album's first ballad track. At you guessed it, track four. <laughs> <laughs> It's the guaranteed best place to put a ballad. Track four, people. Take notes. Take notes, people. Um, now, the interesting thing that you said about their vocals, um, every one of the band's members sings an individual part on this song. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's uh, Joe Elliott sings a part, and then, uh, if I'm correct, it goes Phil Collin, Rick Savage, and then Vivian Campbell. And then after the first chorus, it comes straight in with uh, Rick, Rick Allen. Allen. Yeah, yeah, Rick Allen. Was it? Is it Rick Savage as well? Yes. Oh, or is that? Yeah. Rick, there's yeah. two Ricks. Two Ricks. Yeah. Get, that gets confusing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's 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 a cool way to hear all of the bands band members' individual voices and how unique they are. But um, I feel like the chorus vocal could have been more powerful. But aside from that, it could have been an Adrenalize era ballad. Um, Invincible, picking that tempo back up is upbeat, melodic, hard rock. Could have done with some more energetic vocals again, in my opinion. But it's certainly not bad. I just wish it had more oomph. And then you get Sea of Love, which... Sweet home Alabama, <laughs> right off the get-go. Fun southern rock feel to this bad boy, you know, me likey. Energized, feels like something they could have done later in their career, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, Def Leppard. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I've heard worse. Um, all-time high, energetic, 80s, hard rock fun. This is much more like it. Battle of My Own, bluesy track, more of a Led Zepp feel cool song broken broken hearted no fucking around here getting right to the good time rock and roll mm-hmm. forever young shortest track but certainly has some standout guitar minis in the solo uh last dance appropriate amount of reverb on joe's voice really <laughs> emphasize it really emphasizes the space of this song you know it's, it's a nicely put together ballad kind of song and i feel like in terms of production they knew what they were doing with this one they kind of knew in a spaciousness mindset where things needed to go. And then um, Wings of an Angel. Uh, Fuck yeah, once again, coming in with a balls-out rock riff, but it kind of bamboozles you because it's out almost as quick as it came in, and it has this kind of spaghetti western rock kind of thing before coming back in, only to go psychedelic and then goes into this rocking chorus. From a structure standpoint, it's one of the most interesting songs I've ever heard because it just tricks you so many times yeah. at every turn. Yeah. And uh, finally, you've got Blind Faith closing out the album. Um, tastefully put together. The guitar tones sound really good. I agree with you that it could have been a few songs shorter. could have been more succinct. It is pretty bloated, but it, it gave... There was a big gap between this one and Sparkle Lounge, if I'm correct, about... Yeah, seven years, I think, or something like that. Yeah, seven years. So I feel like they they, they felt, let's make a long one so that the uh, fans shut up for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, and I guess in this 
day and age, it's I guess it's changing a little bit. But when you're dealing with the modern, the modern uh, way people take in music, for the most part, I guess it doesn't really matter because you're not. Most people are just listening to tracks anyway. So if you have, if you feel yeah. like you have 14 strong tracks, then I guess just put it out. But um, that the but I do when you bring up things like how you hear elements of things they could have done in different parts of their careers. It's almost like the band tried to like write a greatest hits album, but, but making it all new tracks. Yeah. Um, Cause it really does take things from all their, all their eras. I, I, I believe, and I mean, obviously you don't really hear like an on through the night era type song, but there's, there are <laughs> things that, that do have that faster rocking feel to them. But overall it just feels like they had a good time making this it, fe- it feels honest so yeah that's all you can really ask for i mean with a lot of these older bands because so many older bands i feel just go through the motions or don't even put out new music at all so um yeah. when you get an album like this from a band that's been around for as long as they have you're like good good on you i mean this is it's quality shit so um definitely man so that brings us to uh to my number seven um which is the 2008 album songs from the sparkle lounge Ah, a little higher up. A little bit higher up for me. And the big reason why this one is higher up is overall, it's just a fun listen. I had a good time. Every time I've listened to this album, I had a good time. It's only 39 minutes long. It's literally just, we got some poppy rock songs for you and we're going to get the fuck out. And it's, it's, uh, it's not, when it comes to Def Leppard albums, it's, it still lacks a whole lot for me, but yeah, but it's fucking fun and 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 really like when it starts with the song "Go," it it are they already kind of have a more modern feel, and by modern I mean two thousand eight. What what was happening in two thousand eight in rock music? Um, and anytime Def Leppard does that, anytime I hear you know electronic elements or whatever it is they want to incorporate it always feels right at home because they feel like a band that's always embraced technology. I mean, clearly, yeah. clearly with Rick Allen, you know, he, he has, but they, they had no problem, you know, being more modern with their rock and roll. And so anytime they do that, I'm always like, ah, cool. All right. Yeah. Keep that shit coming. Um, and so, um, the, yeah, we already talked about Nine Lives. Um, I think it's a pretty good song, even even though Tim McGraw is on it. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, overall it's just super fun. And then you have songs like "Come On, Come On," which has like a real '70s glam feel to it, and that's also very fun. Knowing that these guys are also big fans of that '70s glam sound. Um, yeah. Whenever whenever you hear it peek through in their music, it always. It always feels like oh they're pay, you know paying homage to the music that they grew up loving, and so it's always fun to listen to. But overall, this album sits higher on the list just because it delivers it delivers the big hooks, um, the feel good rock music that you want when you go into a Def Leppard album. And um, really, it's just one of those things where when Def Leppard makes a Def Leppard album, it it's always fun, and um, um, I, it's probably a good time to point out. I think I sort of mentioned this earlier, but Def Leppard, the idea of the Def Leppard sound and the Def Leppard style, they are one of those bands which I, you could probably only narrow this down to maybe 
a couple dozen bands at the most that truly yeah. have their own sound. You, you, they don't sound like any other band and no other band sounds like Def Leppard. And, mm. and you may hear elements of their stuff in other bands, but nobody has gotten it right. In my opinion, they are the perfectors of whatever combination of sounds they threw together. Um, especially once we get into, I mean, I mean, to be honest, I feel like they had that sound going in album two. Like once high and dry kicks in, I feel like they had a, 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 an idea of what they wanted to be. And they mm. threw a few albums later. Once you get to like past pyromania and hysteria, they have perfected it. And so ever since then, it's just like they, they make their own music. They make the Def Leppard style music. And that's all you can really call it. It's rock music, but you know, it's hard to compare it to a lot of other things because it is so unique to that particular band. So, um, and songs from the sparkle lounge delivers a lot of that in my opinion. While while still living appropriately in two thousand eight, that's the thing. It, up until you said that, I'd never really given it much thought of how different um, Def Leppard are to the contemporaries that they tend to get lumped in with. Because you know they are that eighties rock thing, but they're their own take on it. And I feel like they were so huge and did they did perfect it that that did kind of they kind of took the 80s sound and made it their own and now that is like the Def Leppard sound yeah you know you you hear Rick Allen's kind of like um not robotic but definitely electronic sounding like do 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 yeah kind of drums mixed in like he had those hexagon pads for years that um only like more poppy and um new romantics and new wave those kind of bands used them and i suppose some bands i, I know rush rush definitely used them at one point Fuck, neil neil peart used every kind of drum he ever could find <laughs> yeah <laughs> if somebody came out with something new he's like i'm gonna get that incorporate that into my 300 yeah. piece drum kit <laughs> fuck yeah like it, it but it's just so i, th- I think a, a fun thing a fun little anecdote i learned about rick allen's um kit recently was he doesn't have that many sounds built into his kit yeah i think it i i think i his drum tech referred to it as the world's most complicated four-piece kit because there's only actually like two tom samples and a snare and a kick but it's however he dials in the different patches for a different song yeah. that he gets those different sounds and those different timbres and things and I, I just think what a way to overcome adversity Re- regardless you know it's just such a really cool kit to to nerd out over yeah because you're and like not only that yeah. the the thing that i didn't notice until way down the line once i started doing music myself and getting to know how, how you know to play the instruments he does the kick and the snare both with his feet yeah so at first i thought oh he's clearly hitting a snare drum with his one good arm and everything else is with his feet but you watch and i'm like oh shit no he's dealing with hi-hat and cymbals Another thing, and you know, the other pads, but the basic beat is all with his feet, and I'm like, that's yeah. pretty fucking cool. 
So, I mean, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's the sort of thing that you could pick apart. It's not too hard to learn how to do that, but he, who, who did it before he did, <laughs> you know, nobody. <laughs> I, f- I think like one last thing I'll, I'll say is, is whenever I listen to Def Leppard, if I start air drumming to it, my left arm doesn't come into it. And I don't, <laughs> I don't even think about it. That's the thing. That's how unique their sound is. Cause I immediately think, oh, that snare sound is produced with my foot. So I'll have like my arm going, doing the cymbals, and then I'll try and simulate like the, you don't see my feet right now, but like right, left, right, right, left with my feet, just trying to envision. But even then, the pedals he has laid out aren't in the configuration I would expect either. So it's like, oh, his kick is actually his left foot. Wait, what the fuck is going on here? And it's like, it's such a weird, it, it's cool to see him take, it, I take guess, you through it. I guess that would make sense because if, if I was doing it, my my right, no, my dominant foot is my left foot. So I think I would do the snare with that. <laughs> you would think that the snare, fuck, I don't know. It, I don't even want to know. It's a mystery that I just want to leave with Rick. Yeah. <laughs> he, just, he knows what he's doing. I trust him. I remember seeing him do a uh, drum solo and it was just so cool. But, um, but yeah, yeah. One armed, one armed drummer, really fucking cool. So yeah. Moving on. Last, last albums of the uh, episode. Our number sixes. This, this will be interesting now because, um, I know, pardon me, that my favorite, five albums are the classic kind of 1980 to 1992 yeah. era albums, which leaves me at euphoria. So I don't know if you landed at that same conclusion or did you not? I'm not going to say anything right now because I want everyone uh, to keep listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Right. Well, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to come right out with my track by track on uh, euphoria. Cool. Um, I was astounded at how they managed to make a convincingly 80s sounding body of work in the year of 1999 when nothing could be less cool. The year but, of Limp Biscuit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, the moment I heard the first few bars of Demolition Man, I was like, what the fuck? Was this like an unreleased album that just was put aside but no it's it's it, demolition man the first track stands next to any of their 80s work 1999 and they managed to craft a convincingly good 80s hard rock song mm-hmm. you, you, you played this if you played this even to me and i'm something of a glam metal connoisseur when it comes to 80s production and i can kind of pick out which era of the 80s something is from from the way the fucking snare drum sounds but this to me had me tricked because i was like 1999 did not sound like this at all and i would not have known that this was not something that came out between hysteria and adrenalize if someone had told me any different and then you get promises again def leopard doing what they do best 80s melodic rock this does not sound like 99 at all. May have something to do with the drums, but, you know, good Lord, this feels like an 80s album that wasn't released. 
but in the best of ways. The, the guitar tone and overall production does this excellent job of creating an authentic, straight-up Def Leppard record that could rival their 80s work. Mm-hmm. And I think that that comes back to the fact that maybe Def Leppard is the 80s sound. They're just that fucking good at it. Yeah, I mean... They perfected it. Yeah, I mean, the, the producer on this album was Pete Woodroff or Woodroff, and, and I don't, I've never heard of him before. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how big of a role he played in, in them recreating the classic sound. Um, but I think they brought Mutt Lange back for a little bit of like songwriting. I think he was involved in some way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe so. But um, is it Mutt Langer or Mutt Lange? Or Just Lang, like leave the E off. Ah, uh, because I've heard Pete. I've I've people I've heard so many people say a different name. I've heard Lange Langer Lang. I've always just known him as Mutt Lang. Yeah, I'll I'll probably stick to that. That sounds like the most sensible. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, it, I, they, I was really impressed with the first two tracks on this album right off the bat. You got back in your face. It's the most modern tr- sounding track so far, but it still keeps that classic Def Leppard vibe going. It's not a favorite of mine on here, though. Then you get Goodbye, which brings that 80s ballad vibe in full force. The chorus on the guitars is classic 80s, and it, it could have easily come out between 87 and 92, yeah. and nobody would bat an eye, but in the best of ways, like I say. All Night brings some modern elements in, but... Still feels very Def Leppard. Comes off a little cheesy, but it's still a fun song. Paper Sun. Now, this fucker is more yeah. like it. You if know, you're, if you're, if they can't see my face, but my face lit up when you said yeah. Paper Sun. Yeah, Paper Sun. It, it brings in that dark '80s groove, reminiscent of something off it, of Pyromania. It, it, you know, that song gives me chills. It is so good. Yeah, like it is. Yeah, like. It could have been on Pyromania. It, Easily. It, it is so well done and everyone's spot on. And when those, the vocals that we talk about, when those big harmony vocals kick in on the chorus, it's yeah. so, I, I have chills now thinking about it. It is <laughs> such a good song. It is one of yeah. those, it's one of those things where I'm like, I, sometimes they just fucking nail it. It's also very, yeah. it's very important to point out. We haven't yet that, for the most part, Def Leppard is a band that rarely uses outside songwriters. Like occa- yes. occasionally they'll get producers to help out or, uh, you know, other people that have come and gone and helped with writing. But for the most part, these these five dudes are the ones pulling the weight. And when you hear a song like Paper Sun come out of them, it's just like, fuck yeah, they still got it. Yeah. And it, it, that breakdown groove riff halfway through yeah. just fucking rules. Like that is, again, like I said about Go, that's heavy for Def Leppard. Yeah. Like every now and again, they'll just break something out and you'll think, whoa, what the fuck? But Where did this come that's from? That's something that, but the, the vibe of the song, because you said dark, and that is, that is yeah. an element that was in all of their earlier stuff up until Adrenalize, where they had songs yeah. where they were in minor keys or they would make a switch from a major to a minor, and it had a real heaviness to it without necessarily being heavy music. And and I'm yeah. so glad. I, I that, That's one of the things that every other album they've done 
recently, I just wait for that one song where they do it. And most of the time they never really pull it off. And I'm like, ah, but at least we know they did it here in 1999. <laughs> yeah. I was just so struck by how, you know, I, I've been getting hysteria and adrenalize kind of vibes. And then all of a sudden you get this pyromania esque thing and you're like, Whoa, yeah, it's, this it's, is, it's, I'm all like, is this a B side that they just remixed yeah. for the album? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just so cool. Um, then you get It's Only Love. This one's pretty 99. That acoustic with the na-na-na stuff going on. One thing I'll say is that I got enough Zenough vibes off of this track. Oh, I, I love which, it when somebody brings up enough Zenough. That doesn't happen Zenough, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I like that yeah, band, especially I, the first couple albums. We'll, we'll get to them later. <laughs> totally, dude. I just love that psychedelic take on the glam thing. Yes. And Def Leppard dipped their toes into it quite a bit. But um, yeah, then you get uh, 21st century Shalalala Girl. Um, Unfortunate title, cool but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool riff over the top of an oh-so-late 90s beat, but with enough classic Leopard mixed in to make it authentic, it's good fun when it gets going. And then you get to be alive, which is back with that eighties vibe. It's this album is a funny one because some songs sound so convincingly eighties it tricks me, but then others are a bit more modern, so it kind of pulls you out of the moment. But as soon as the eighties kind of stuff comes back in, it's like you're listening to something from eighties eighty seven. Yeah. Um, then you get disintegrate, which does just that, pulls you out with that drum and bass kind of beat. But the riffs are cool. Um, it happens a few times on this record, uh, but this song sounds like the soundtrack to a late nineties racing game. Kind of <laughs> makes me, kind of makes me think of a, of a guitarist who I think you should check out. It's called uh, Hugh Myrone, who's really cool. He does these kind of like eighties influenced um, soundtrack albums. They're really cool. They've all got like different vibes and stuff, cool. but. He's definitely got that little bit of like Steve Vai in him that's just doing all this wicked shit. But yeah, I have to send you some recommendations sure. on that one. But yeah, check out uh, Hugh Myrone. But yeah, back into Def Leppard. We've got Guilty uh, back with the 80s vibe again. I find that these ballad tracks tend to be more convincingly 80s than any other tracks. And um, then you get Day After Day. You know, yes, that one as well, you could easily convince me it was a Pyromania track that didn't make the album. Kings of Oblivion, what a way to close out, you know, with a bang. It sounds like the end credits of an action movie, that song. And overall, my opinion of this album is that, yeah, they retreated back to their 80s style following slang. But aside from a few 1999 production choices that take you out of the moment on occasion... This album fucking rules. I, I, you know? I, would, I would absolutely agree. And it is also my number six. <laughs> uh, I thought so. <laughs> so it's, re it's interesting now that, now that we've gotten to the end of this. Um, it's interesting because there is, this is, I believe, the first one of these where I think there was a division right in a point in a band's career for both of us. Where yeah. the, the bottom half is after a certain point, and then the top half is is before. And um, Euphoria is a fucking great album. It is now. You were saying 
about them retreating from the thing they did with uh, with slang, and um, and I, I I do I get that a little bit from this album, but um, because I feel like slang was so disingenuous, like it didn't seem like they wanted to do it. This feels mm. more like an honest Def Leppard album because as we spoke about, they had their own sound going and I think that's just what they like doing. And finally they were approached. I don't know how it came about. Maybe it was a decision within the band or maybe somewhere else. Somebody suggested, we, we just want to hear you do Def Leppard. And they went, Oh, we can do that. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they did like the song, this album like starts off with demolition, man. Like it starts off on a high note, like it kicks yeah. into gear and you are off and running on this super enjoyable album. And it's, it feels to me overall, almost like it's a, uh, it's a thank you to their fans from back in the day. Like those of yeah. you that stuck with us, here's one for you. Like, it just feels like, like you know, you we love you guys. Here's the Def Leppard that you that you love so much, and um, I, I think half of the album they nail it. The other half is still really strong. Um, and um, so, but yeah, the, the, we already talked about the harmony vocals, but the fact that they're in full effect here uh, on a lot of the songs is is fucking great. And the production is great. The hooks are great. Um, it's just it's a big rock album like you want from Def Leppard. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, really like the, the big thing that brings it down is, is that um, the songwriting is not as strong as on their earlier albums. So while they are pulling off um, a throw, I hate to say throwback when they are pulling off a classic Def Leppard style and occasionally the songs really shine overall, um, it, they're not as memorable as the songs on their earlier albums. But but once again, Paper Sun is fucking amazing. Yeah. And um, <laughs> really, um, every time I listen to Paper Sun, the one thought that goes through my head is um, if the whole album sounded as good as Paper Sun, it would be in probably in, in my top five for sure, maybe even higher because yeah. it's that strong. And so, um, but unfortunately, the, the whole album isn't that strong. So um, even though it does have a pleasing quality to it at the end of the day if if somebody says put on some Def Leppard I'm putting on any album prior to this before this one but this one's still really strong so that's why it ends up here at number six awesome okay so that's uh that's part one yeah yeah that is part one so Clearly, uh, the next episode, we're going to be diving into some uh, nostalgic 80s and 190s album rock. Um, And um, really, like, like it seems like we're getting this, you know, clocking in under an hour and a half. But I have a weird feeling that um, the next one won't won't happen that way because <laughs> because <laughs> you get into a few of those albums and i think i'm i myself am going to have a lot to say about them um but um it yeah. is it is nice to uh give a little bit of of time to the later day Def leopard stuff because they're still kicking it now i mean they were about to go on a tour with motley crew before covid happened and yeah. um even though you know you could make you know, my arguments about a lot of newer bands, or not newer bands, but older bands um, still touring, 
is that um, sometimes, you know, you once you go down so many octaves on your old songs, yeah. it sounds like <laughs> a different song. So I hear, you know, I see footage and hear live recordings of more recent Def Leppard and I go, whoa, they, they're playing that way low. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's almost a different song. And, um, but at the same time, you know, doing what they do, they're still one of the best at it. They still put on an amazing show. And, um, to be honest, like between the two bands, I'd rather see Def Leppard than Motley Crue. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know what, the, 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 the we'll see. Cause, uh, you know, if once COVID passes by, if this tour even, even happens, that's the one thing that's interesting to me right now. I know we're dating this episode to this period in time, um, but but it's important to put it into context that so we're in 2020 right now, and um, yeah. you see a lot of these bands rescheduling, like posting rescheduled dates. Like, oh, now our tour is going to happen in 2021, and I'm like, is it? <laughs> 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 so, hopefully, it does, and hopefully, bands like Def Leppard keep to keep get to keep kicking it because um, I, I we 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 can run this into the ground how unique they were and how. Um, once Def Leppard stops doing albums and playing tours, um, you know, uh, w- there's going to be a huge hole in the history mm. of rock and roll and the sound of certain rock and roll. It's going to die with them, I think. And um, mm. I don't know, maybe maybe we maybe there'll be a, a revival of this style, and maybe some young band will pick up the 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 torch or whatever, and and. Um, somehow find the the magic combination of sounds that made Def Leppard. But um, yeah, that's, that's, that's me having diarrhea of the mouth about Def Leppard. Cause I love <laughs> them. They're a great band. Um, any, any final thoughts for this episode? I will say in like the world of pop music, I have noticed that a lot of eighties influenced synth wave kind of production techniques and sound choices are really starting to infiltrate um the mainstream yeah like i've i've noticed especially over here in the uk um you know there's been quite a few artists who have uh adopted um these 80s styles i think you know i think the the girl band little mix they did a song called um breakup song that sounds pretty darn 80s yeah um there there's a um just to get, just to call myself out for, for, you know how, you know how you have those guilty pleasures. And, and I, for the most part, I don't think we have guilty pleasures. We just have pleasures. Um, but, um, there is a recent song by, uh, uh, the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. It is called Don't Go Breaking My Heart. And it is fantastic because the, oh. the sound of it, it's big. It's got these synths in it that sound kind of 80s, but really big. And the whole thing about it, it, like when I hear bands do that and they do it in the in the right way, I don't care what kind of music you're making. If you give me that feeling, and I don't even know yeah. what it is. I don't know what the feeling is, but it, it's a it's a larger than life feeling. And and I don't care if you're Def Leppard or you're the Backstreet Boys. If you pull it off, I'm going to give you kudos every time because it's... It's fucking great. Can I ask, did I just get, uh, I know we covered this little uh, affliction earlier in the episode. Did I just get cover baited 
with that uh, "Don't go breaking my heart." It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's another not, it's very not a cover. Well known, and, and, and I was gonna say, I I would go. I'm gonna go on record, and if there are if there are people who are much older than me listening, please cover your ears because I'm gonna say something that might be sacrilegious. <laughs> the Backstreet Boys song "Don't Go Breaking My Heart" is way better than that Elton John. Is it Elton John and and uh, uh, whoever it is? Um, <laughs> I don't even Carly Simon. I don't know who it is, but no, fuck that song. <laughs> but th- by the way, this was a Def Leppard podcast. <laughs> but no, it's not a cover. But yes, that does fall into that category of why did you pick that song title? Because it's already out there. Um, yeah. But yeah, never. You know. But we digress, which is weird to do at the ending of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, anything else from you? Nah, not really. Just uh, Def Leppard fucking rocks, and uh, keep on listening to this podcast because uh, we're we're pretty fucking cool too. We we are. I would have to say <laughs> that if, if if anyone if anyone if any podcast is going to give you that you don't know what feeling, it's going to be us. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so yeah. Once again, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with uh, the second half of the Def Leppard cranked and ranked. Um, And that's all I got to say. Take us out, Eddie. Later, dude.